Hello, welcome to Mod Midwives, a Metro Midwifery podcast. I'm Gina Gerbach. And I'm Nedra Hale, and we are home birth midwives serving the Denver metro area. Well, how are you doing on this snowy Sunday? I'm cold. <laughs> I, I found out that my bedroom is cold. Uh, if mm. you remember, we switched, Finley and I switched bedrooms, and I found out this one is cold, so I think I'll have to get a space heater. Oh, really? That cold? It's just, like, chilly. I mean, it's good for sleeping. I like being a little chilly when I'm sleeping, but, like, mm-hmm. when I'm hanging out in here, like, now I'm in my room. Um, it's a little chilly. I mean, and our it's, room like, is, 11 degrees or something out there. Our room is so hot because we're so close to the furnace. Oh. And it's just, it's so hot in the summer. Or, I mean, in the winter. It's hot oh. in the summer, too. <laughs> it's yeah, it's really easy for it to get too hot for me too so but mm-hmm. I've noticed it's a little chilly it'll be uh, cold at night but I still sleep hot so it's just the core temp just doesn't or the room temp doesn't get down that low in our room so yeah, yeah so we're just kind of recovering we had you know we've been working on the patio for the last like week until um until Thursday and then we had to take a break because we have somebody making a deck. So mm-hmm. and it's still going on. So it's, so we're getting this long pause and now it's snowing. So or snow. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's supposed to keep snowing through to tomorrow. Do you know? I think tomorrow morning. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I haven't even, I ventured outside to the compost bin and that's all I've done today. So I haven't gotten out today. I opened the door. And asked my children to do things. <laughs> yeah, it was very cold. So I did not go for my long run today, which is what I like to do on a Sunday. But I went, yeah. I ran yesterday and that messed me up. So I'll try to go tomorrow. Well, today we're going to talk about water birth. Um, it's been a while since we've talked about kind of options and labor and thought yeah. that this would be one that. Um, we talk about it all the time and probably should cover it on the podcast just for mm-hmm. a little more thorough discussion of it. So, yeah. Um, so I guess we should start by clarifying that when we talk about water birth, we're not actually talking about where the baby comes out. We're just talking about having a birth tub available to you in right. labor. So right. w- whether or not you birth in the water is not as relevant as whether or not you have a tub available. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it seems, um, like to me having that pool is almost like a necessity for a first baby, mm-hmm. um, you know, and we tell people all the time, we don't, we don't care if you birth in it or not. We're totally fine either way, but mm-hmm. we need it. <laughs> right. I talk about it as like, you know, it's a big ticket tool. It's a power tool for labor, yeah. a comfort technique. And so if you don't have that available, you're eliminating a huge, right? Um, a, a very, very effective tool. We only have so many tools when we're not talking about pharmaco- pharmacological pain relief at home. Yeah. It can make such a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. So we do highly recommend that everybody who's having their first vaginal birth sets up a birth tub and, and, and anybody else who wants to, but yeah. But sometimes people like me, you know, went to all the trouble to set up a tub and then it just kind of didn't do it for me. And yeah. so I didn't set it up with my third birth because I just, you know, there is a certain amount of 
logistics involved in setting one up. Right. That happened to me twice. I set it up twice. I didn't use it. Well, I, I did get in it with Finley, but for like two seconds, I was like, mm-hmm. eh, what? <laughs> I know. I know. I just, I, it turns out I don't really like to be wet in labor. Yeah. <laughs> it's not comfortable. Yeah. Finley's birthday is in May. Oh, that's funny because the time I did have it available was June. So same, same kind of time of year. Yeah. I, I just, I didn't like it. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't do it for me, but it might've been great with my first baby with all that. Yeah. Back. It might've really. Oh yeah. It. I bet it really would have been helpful for your back labor for yeah. sure. That's definitely one of those situations. I also find it to be really useful. Uh, we So we try to discourage people from getting in too early. Again, it's a big ticket item. Mm-hmm. And if you use it too early, it can kind of lose its effectiveness. Right. But I have seen it really be helpful when people are having a hard time relaxing. Kind of in yes. early active labor, late early labor, early active labor, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, it can be hard to kind of get your feet under you and get yourself centered to relax. And I find that the tub can be really helpful with that. Yeah, definitely. It's such a funny thing because, you know, sometimes we tell people not to get in it um, because it can slow things down, but then sometimes it relaxes people so that it it makes it, you know, go faster. Yeah. So just like, we don't know what it's going to do. It's kind of situational. Overall, as a general um, guideline, we prefer that our clients don't get in the tub until we're there um, for a couple reasons. If it's your first baby, um, you it can be hard to tell where you, you are in labor. It can mm-hmm. you can think that you're further along in labor than you are. And to to set up the tub and get in, you could still have a lot of time left, sometimes days. And we don't want to set up the tub too early. It's really hard to maintain the temperature. And right. sometimes labor can start and stop. And it um, it can be kind of, we can't always keep it set up for days and days. So right. we like people when they're having their first vaginal birth not to set it up until we're there. And then I prefer, I don't mind it if uh, multips or people who are having a subsequent vaginal birth, or actually it's a subsequent baby, but vaginally. I don't mind it if they start filling it and getting it ready, but the reason I don't really want them in it until I'm there is because things can go really fast and it's not my preferred um, place to have people do a precipitous birth on their own. (laughs) If we're not going to make it, I really would rather them not be in the tub because the water temperature is important and the, um, the level of the water is important and it's harder for their support person to see what's happening and right it's hard so, to see I say it's really hard to see really hard to well you can't really see mm-hmm. I mean I've carried a mirror for years and I don't think it helps at all I don't think it does either it makes me like dizzy or nauseous like it gives me motion sickness to because you're seeing the that. movement of the water over yes. the mirror yeah <laughs> I just can't see it's foggy it's there's bubbles on it yeah I just can never see anything with it mm-hmm. so I just yeah. don't, I can't see yeah. anything. Agreed. <laughs> um, good. So what are some benefits? Okay. So we've talked about, it's really, it's a really great non-pharmaceutical pain mm-hmm. relief, but what are some, um, why do you think it works so well? Maybe would be a better way to phrase that. 
I think it's just, I mean, I think it's two things. I think that it relaxes everything. It relaxes your muscles and your tension. And Mm -hmm. um, so it's just that whole concept of getting out of the way of your uterus so it can work, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's one thing. And then the other thing is just like, it's the same reason it feels nice when, you know, when you put heating pads on when you have your period and stuff it's just like it's just feels good to have the heat mm-hmm. you know so yeah I agree I also think it takes the pressure off a little bit oh so I think with the back like for the back labor situation mm-hmm. that we were talking about I think that would be a good use for just put some buoyancy a yeah. little yeah and it doesn't seem to disrupt progress unless like we said mm-hmm. if you get in too early it can relax you maybe to the point that you're right. going to lose lose that positive feedback that was happening right right and then the contraction starts spacing out and yeah so sometimes we have to get in and out yeah relaxing sometimes yeah it's actually recommended penny simkin in the labor progress handbook actually recommends that you not stay in more than an hour at a time um, which that feels a little short. Sometimes it feels, um, like I'm being the ba- bad midwife, <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> a bad talk, um, when I suggest that they get out. So I don't usually, I don't usually suggest that after an hour, but I usually will suggest it after two hours. Yeah. Um, an hour goes by so fast. fast really fast. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, getting up, moving, changing things up, I think is, um, a helpful, thing to do even if you're using the tub and labor for sure any other benefits that you can think of hmm i mean i've seen it help people sleep mm-hmm. uh, so you know under supervision a person mm-hmm. can sleep in the pool <laughs> with 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 the observation yeah yes <laughs> what do you think what else um i was gonna say Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. I I was going to say that I think it, um, this sounds like a strange thing, but I think it's good for the partner to have a project. So the tub is largely the partner's responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of good for them to have something to focus their energy on. Um, not that I'm into creating busy work for the partners, but I do think it gives them a purpose and that is helpful for some Um, for some people, for some personalities, they want to be doing something. Mm -hmm. So that's not a natural benefit other than it's, you know, kind of with the logistics of how the birth is going, I think it's um, nice for them to have their thing to be doing. Mm -hmm. Which, which maybe leads us to some of our, you know, kind of some of this is our, how we do it, which is not going to be how all midwives do it. But for us in our practice, the responsibility, we have the tabs. Um, and we lend them to our clients, but it is their responsibility to um, be in charge of the tub. So the only thing that we really do is empty it after the birth so that there's not, um, so water's not sitting around for 24, 48 hours or whatever. So, yeah. yeah. So for the most part, it's on the partner. And so that's increased responsibility, which is um, good for some people and not good for other people. Right. Yeah. And it is, it's a big thing because you have to, you have to, you know, first of all, take charge of the, the the tub that holds the tub and all of the things that come with it. And 
make sure you have all of your pieces and parts and put, you know, test your adapters Mm -hmm. and make sure the tub has no defects and all. I mean, there's just a lot of things. Yeah. And then you have to take it back down. But before you take it down, you have to disinfect it. And I mean, there's a lot of Mm -hmm. Right. Lots of pieces. So we'll go, we'll probably go through that procedure here at the end of this podcast, but, um, but there are, there's, it's a, it's a lot of moving pieces. Yeah. Um, so what about disadvantages or cons to having water immersion at birth? Hmm. I guess we already talked about possibly slowing things down if we use right. it too early. Um, so the one that I have that I, that's probably, I know it's controversial because a lot of people disagree with it is that I think it increases tears Mm -hmm. to the babies in the water. I mean, the, the Manistat's water birth study confirms that. So it's not, whether or not it's controversial, it could be anecdotal, but there is research to suggest that it increases the um, first and second degree tears. It doesn't increase serious tears. So so in terms of tears that would require a transport to repair, right. it doesn't increase those. Mm-hmm. So why do you think that is? I think two things. I think it's because it's harder to see and it's harder to, I guess, three things. Harder to see, <laughs> harder to reach, you know, for doing like good perineal support because I believe in perineal support. Again, not everyone does, but I do. hmm mm-hmm. And um, also, I think the water is really drying to the tissues. Mm-hmm. It so. actually like t- takes the you know the pruning effect. It takes the water yeah. out of the tissues. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you can decrease elasticity. Yeah. I I think for I think for me it's the perineal support because mm-hmm. um, I do have a hard time providing. I mean, I'm just my arms are very short, <laughs> so <laughs> it is hard for me to provide as good of support in the water for sure. And also we don't use things like oil or hot compresses, like some of the other tools that we use for perineal support. Yes. You can't use in the water. Right. So the only thing that's there like reliably is just to kind of do um, counter pressure to the head and, and slow the delivery down. And then, you know, we try to do our best with also doing perineal support, but it is hard. It's hard to reach Mm -hmm. around there in the water. Mm-hmm. I once decided I was going to try to do oil <laughs> in the water. Oh, yeah, I've done it lots of times and I don't anymore, but it is kind of stupid, I think. <laughs> I thought it would work. <laughs> I tried it once actually. It was a disaster and the tub was so weird and like there was yeah. oil separated all in the tub afterwards. It was Yes, I've had that experience many, many times. So I would, I used to just like put it in my glove and like close my hand and then like try to get it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's funny. But I don't. No. (laughs) Um, I I think that the um, I mean I think that the important thing is well, there's two important things. One is I think that the more choices that you have in labor more tools that you have, the more options that you have, um, the better, because it gives you more things to try. But I also think that the, the bottom line is what do you feel most comfortable with? What feels like the best, um, place for you to labor. So, and and most people don't know that until they're in labor. Most people don't know what they're going to want to do. 
Um, so that's why setting it up is always a great, um, a great option. Um, so let's talk about the con of um, uh, cost, the expense. Okay. I think that would be something to think about that you can add some expense to the birth by choosing to set up. Right. So um, a lot of times people purchase their own pools. I used to have my clients purchase their own pools. And that can be, it can be expensive or not. It just depends on what you get. Mm -hmm. Those uh, Oasis tubs are about $80. They're not that expensive. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Or at least they used to be. I actually don't know. I haven't looked. I, mean, I remember a period where Target carried those aquarium pools. Uh -huh. And I used to go and like find them on clearance. I would buy like all the pools. Mm -hmm. I would go to all the Targets and buy them for like seven bucks. And like, mm -hmm. you know, so we. But I don't like those tubs at all. I don't like yeah. the aquarium tubs. It's, I mean, they're too small, but I mean, I Or did too like big. That. The hexagon one is too oh, big. The hexagon and the round one is, one is too small. But the yeah. round one is the one that I liked. And, um, and we did lots and lots of births in those and, and they were totally adequate, but definitely not as good as doing mm -hmm. the lobby scene or something. Mm -hmm. Oh, we should mention you can sometimes use your bathtub mm -hmm. depending on what kind of bathtub you have. Yeah. Um, a regular bathtub is fine for in labor. It's not really enough to deliver in most of the time. Um, if it's shallow, your position is really limited to, yeah. to um, reclining because because mm -hmm. you have to deliver either under the water or out of the water, like mm -hmm. <laughs> not halfway in or out. So hands and knees squatting that would be hard to do in a regular. Yeah, but I have done a squatting birth in a regular bathtub once. Oh really? Okay, but yeah, I've done hands and knees in regular bathtubs, but they are their butts were totally out of the water, you know, so it was, it was oh, an yeah. <laughs> so it's a little sketchy. It's a little close, right? Yes. <laughs> um, I like the soaking tubs that don't have jets. I find that the garden tubs with the jets are problematic. Um, for one thing, they're really um, wide, but not very deep. Right. And the jets have some nasty stuff in them. I have seen people start their jets and crazy stuff yeah. came out of it. I just saw this horrifying thing about a child getting their hair cut in one of those. <gasps> oh, no. Just, like the water just wasn't deep enough and it was fine. Like she was fine. But if it had been deeper, it would have been different. And I am never getting one of those tubs now ever. Oh, no, <laughs> yikes. That's really scary. So scary. And they're gross. Yeah. So like bacteria. Mm -hmm. you know, if people do want to use them, it's fine. We tell them to put, you know, it, it needs to be 10% bleach solution. So a bathtub holds about 150 gallons. I mean, one of those types of tubs. So it would have to be, you know, 10% of that would have to be bleached. You'd have to put at least a, a gallon and a half of bleach in that. I, no, no, no. That'd only be one and a half percent. Oh, it's just so much bleach. It'd be too much bleach. That's all. Yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> I know, but that's what it takes to disinfect, you know really oh well God. wow so i guess it'd be 10 gallons of bleach well oh. anyway it'd have to cover the it would have to cover the jets so that you could run them with the bleach yeah. all the way through it and it sounds like a lot of work um yeah. i'm always amazed and i just went to, to a hospital that had jets i don't understand how they can keep them clean 
We're going to have to investigate that someday in our spare time. I just, I don't know how. I think they take them out and autoclave them. I don't really know. But what about the workings of the inside of the tub? I don't know. They don't, you know, theoretically, they don't, quote unquote, let people deliver in those tubs. They just labor in them. But I still wonder. I still wonder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the soaking tubs, though, that are deeper and not as wide and don't have jets, I think they work really well. The only downside to those is they're not as soft on the bottom as the inflatable tubs that we use with the inflatable Mm -hmm. bottoms. Yeah. So So whereas a person can spend a lot of time kneeling in the inflatable, Uh that might be uncomfortable. Yeah. Although they can, um, you could put a towel down, you know, so it's, you can kind of find some workarounds, but yeah. Um, Quite a lot of midwives in our community still use the Rubbermaid troughs, I believe, the feeding troughs. Um, The big single, they're molded plastic or fiberglass. And there was one of those cultural things that I was like, what? They didn't do that in Phoenix at all. No way. (laughs) (laughs) I have never heard of this thing. (laughs) I have a client who had another midwife before me, and she borrowed the Rubbermaid trough and that midwife's not practicing anymore. And she borrowed um, one of the Rubbermaid troughs from her. She still has it. So she still uses it for all her births. Um, Yeah. But they're, um, they have some problems. Of course, they storage is a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, The, they are black, which I believe is um, very problematic when it comes to estimating blood loss after the birth. So I ask them if they use those to put a a white sheet, to line it with a white sheet and then plastic so that um, we can see so it's not a black tub anymore. Mm -hmm. What a good idea. Because you can't tell in a black tub what kind of blood loss you have at all. And and that's a con to water birth in general is that you can't, it is, you can guesstimate. I mean, all estimated blood loss is guesstimating, but it's even more guesstimated in the water. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Anyway, so I think sometimes you can, sometimes you can use your own bathtub or, or what you have available. I love it when people have a good bathtub because we can just fill it up and drain it and right. it's less set up and, um, but it's, nice. it's usually accessible to the bed. Uh, we like somebody to have a place to get out quickly after the birth, mm-hmm. um, to recline somewhere. So it's great when it's by the bed. Um, yeah. Although it's not strictly necessary, we can work around it if we need to. Um, which maybe ta- leads us to our procedure, which is that we don't, we prefer not to deliver placentas in the tub. Again, it's much harder to tell how much blood loss there's been. Right. I also feel like right after the birth, you have that little adrenaline rush and it's easier to get everybody out of the tub, you know, 10 minutes after the birth or so than yeah. it is an hour after the birth. Um, so if they don't have the tub near the bed, I usually have them set up some kind of alternate place. Mm-hmm. So the couch or even like a um, crib mattress on the floor or something mm-hmm. like that so that we can get out and lay down. That quickly. works really well, the crib mattress on yeah. the floor. I've used it several times. I think I got that from you years and years and years ago. It's, maybe so. <laughs> it works well. Yeah. Crib mattresses are bigger than you would think. Yes. <laughs> They're big enough for... Laying down, especially if you can put it against a wall and have some pillows up on the back and stuff like that. Um, Good. So for us, we, again, we ask that the partner takes responsibility or, or a labor support person, if it's not the partner, like the mom or friend or whatever, 
by mom, I mean grandma, you know, whoever is supporting the birthing person, that they take responsibility for getting it set up. We drop off the tub at the home visit. Um, we ask that people inflate it ahead of time with air and let it sit overnight and um, make sure there's not a leak. Uh, we try to include a patch kit with all of our birth tub kits so you can patch it if there is an air leak. Um, and if you can't repair that, then let us know so that we can swap it out for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it works well to put some kind of plastic on the floor under the tub, like a tarp or a shower curtain liner. Um, but you don't have to like make the whole entire floor plastic. <laughs> No. I find that's a, a type A partner thing that happens yep. is that they like <laughs> mask off the whole entire room. Yes, and then it's crunchy. <laughs> it's really hard to walk around after that happens. So um, so just you want the plastic kind of extending about a foot around the tub in all directions so that there's a, a way to catch the dripping. Um, we have a lot of towels on our birth kit list, on our birth supply list, because we sometimes we'll use them to step out on and um everybody everybody's list has the same number of towels but the reason we have so many is because when you're doing a water birth we use more towels usually mm-hmm. um yeah and so you mentioned in, in our kits we have a we have the air pump to inflate it we have a fill hose we have some various adapters um, and we have a patch kit and then we also have a submersible pump to drain it later. That doesn't go in the actual box, but the actual box of stuff needs to stay clean. So when the, the fill hose goes into the tub, when nobody else has been in it and it's all sanitized and has a liner and then we take it out and then it should not be used in the tub again. So if it goes back in the tub after the birthing person's been in it, you have to purchase the hose mm-hmm. because, um, it gets, then it gets cross-contaminated. So, um, and we're even more strict on, on these procedures since COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, it is so important to make sure that one of our adapters fits with either your sink or your shower um, so that you can make sure that you can fill up the hose come birthday. And if one of our adapters doesn't fit, you need to go get another one. Um, Lowe's has a lot of different adapters. The shower works really well. And then if you have a if you just have one sink nearby, it doesn't take up the sink so that we can wash our hands. And mm-hmm. so the shower is great whenever that does work. Behind the washing machine is like a good last resort option too. Because you don't need an adapter behind the washing right. machine. But what you do have to do is switch it from hot to cold. Because Right. Or with, you know, sometimes it works just to run the hot in and then it then it runs let out. Let it cool down. Yeah, oh, a- then let it cool down then let it cool down and then add add the cold from the just like let it go and it and it just like runs out and then it keeps running and then it's fine and then it cools down the whole time but it is dependent on the size of the water heater so (laughs) yes and I want to point out that this is where the partner really has to pay attention because once you fill up the tub too cold oh yeah if the labor is going remotely you know, straightforward, there is probably not time to heat it up again. So you really want to make sure that you don't heat it. I mean, don't fill it too cold. It's, you can easily cool it down. You really have a hard time heating it up. Yeah. There's just one big stock pot of boiling water 
does not even bring it up a degree. So yeah. it takes lots and lots of pots of boiling water to bring it up. Yeah. Um, we have on our birth kit list an optional submersible heater that we do recommend for people planning their first vaginal birth. It's an extra $40. It can go in the water even when the person is in there. We have you get your own because again, we don't share um, things that go in the water with one person and then the other, you know, then we don't share it with other people. So, um, but it's great. It's a great tool. Many times people buy it and we don't end up using it and that's okay. It's like a $40 insurance policy mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> that you right. won't end up with water that's too cold. Yeah. Um, so check the connection. Oh, turning up the hot water heater early in labor is a really good idea to get as much hot water out of there. Um, the other thing is that the hose that we provide, many of them are 50 feet, but some of them are just 25 feet. And sometimes you need a longer hose than what we've provided in the birth kit. And so you might have to go get another fill hose. Yep. Um, and then you also need to have a garden hose available to drain the tub because we never drain the tub with a fill hose. Or you can drain the tub with a fill hose and then buy the fill hose. But we can't use it again once it's been drained. This, the submersible pump cannot be sanitized. It's just a whole machine of germs. Right. <laughs> so, and, and that means that like, if you fill up the tub too cold, we can't use the submersible pump to remove some of the water to make it hotter because that's really right. gross. Right, exactly. Really gross. Um, we are very persnickety about germs and water birth. Very persnickety, so. Yeah. Um, and then perhaps, as long as I'm talking about all our persnicketiness, if you fill up the tub without a liner, then, and you want to use it, you have bought the tub. Right. Because we then can't put a liner, you know, you can't get the water out without using the unclean, right. um, the unclean sump pump. <clears throat> so how am I, what am I trying to say? Like. Yeah, and then it's just like not good enough at that point to just sanitize the pool and use it for somebody else. So no, no, because <laughs> right, we ex we expect that the person sanitizes it before they set it up, and that they sanitize after they've used it with a liner. So that's two levels of sanitation. Yeah. We can't get that if there hasn't been a liner in the tub. Yeah, exactly. So, so our tubs are two hundred and fifty-five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> which is actually not the end of the world. If that happens, you know, that's, that, you, that's okay. But yeah. you, um, but yeah, you really want to make sure you get that liner in the tub. Um, and the liner, the heater, and a thermometer to check the temperature of the water and a net to scoop any debris uh, out of the tub. Those are all um, optional items on the birth kit for our practice. So you'll need to um, purchase those if you are going to have a water birth. Uh, anything else about water birth that we should know? So, oh, so then you will, will empty the tub, we'll empty the water out of the tub at the birth. Um, we'll take the liner out, throw it away, and then you just let it dry. And then the next day you sanitize it again. By you, I mean the partner, not the birthing person who has the baby yeah. um, in arms, nursing away the next day. But the partner or support person will sanitize the tub, let it dry thoroughly, and then pack it up for us to. Um, pick up at the postpartum visit. It is an expectation that the families will get it all packed back away because it's just hard to start gathering stuff. And right. once upon a time, I was able to track who had what tub and what parts and what pieces. And 
I just can't. So we just need everybody to keep be responsible for getting Mm -hmm. everything put back the way they found it basically. Yes. Um, If this sounds horrible to you (laughs) as a midwife, if it sounds like a lot of tracking, you might just have people buy their own tub. That's, it's completely reasonable. Um, The Oasis tubs were about $80 and, um, you know, with the accessory pieces, you would be looking at just a little bit more than $100, not including the heater. It used to be on my, on my supply list that they would, this is, you know, to get the adapter and the hoses and all that's just how I used to do it. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's completely reasonable. I just, I like to offer it as an option. It saves people a little bit of money, but there's still, you know, it's still an investment to, to get the liner, the heater, the net and the thermometer. So, yeah. Anything else about water birth you want to talk about? Hmm. I don't know. People love it. Yeah. Would recommend four out of five stars. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, in terms of who actually delivers in the water, I meant to say this earlier. I I would say, I would say 75% of our clients set up a tub. Mm-hmm. And I would say less than half of those deliver in the water, or maybe about half of those deliver in yeah, the water. What do you think? Half. Although I don't run the numbers, so I don't know. I, I have them, but I haven't crunched yes. them. Like I have them written down, but I haven't crunched them. Yeah, I mean, because there's just all, you know, labor is just like, we don't know what's going to happen, and it's unpredictable. And sometimes people don't even want to be in the water. Sometimes there's a reason why we shouldn't be in the water. You know, it, you know, we always say right. anything hinky going on, you know, the baby sounds funny. There's any question about vital signs, anything like that. We're not going to be in the water, you know, right. so. Right. Um, and, and I have asked people to get out and then what they were able to return to the tub, but, um, but yeah, I mean, we just, we have to play it by ear. We always have to, we always have to keep clinical safety at the forefront. So I had a birth recently where um, we got out uh, for reasons. And then like, I kept trying to get her back in and she's <laughs> like, no, nope, I'm fine right here. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> I mean, I tried. I was just like, are you sure? Let's, let's go. Let's go right now. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, you just don't know what's going to feel right in that moment. You have to be flexible for sure. For sure. But yeah, sometimes, sometimes the tub isn't the best place and sometimes we have to change that plan. But sometimes more often it's just because you happen to not be in the tub. Honestly, I think here's what, here's a very likely scenario. You get out to use the restroom you're sitting on the toilet, your water breaks, the baby's coming right. and you just right. don't really want to get back in the tub. I think that happens yes. really frequently. Yeah. It's just like, whoa, we're having the baby. <laughs> yeah. And I personally prefer that people get out to use the rest, to use the restroom. I've heard lots of midwives say, it's okay. You can pee in the water, but there's two reasons that I don't love this. Number one, I'm hanging out in the water myself. I'm like, not my whole body, but my arms. Yeah. And unfortunately, because of my short arms, my boobs are often in the water. Right. Um, so I just, sometimes people just do pee in the water and it's fine. It's not a giant deal, but having a whole lot of pee in the water is not exactly like a great idea to me. 
but also I think getting out of the tub, stepping over the side of the tub, getting that nice asymmetrical leg action and hip action, sitting on the toilet, having a few contractions on the toilet. Those are such good activities to keep things moving along that I like to use the opportunity to go to the bathroom as a, a change up situation too. Yeah. And then you can get back in. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think we've just about covered, you know, everything you ever wanted to know about water birth. <laughs> oh no, we haven't. Water birth, but well, I was gonna say we didn't talk about the baby's experience. I think a lot of people like water birth because the baby's experience is it seems like a very gentle transition for babies, yeah. and I think that's one reason that people love it. What did you say we didn't want to talk about? Oh, do you want me to say it? Okay, oh, I'll pooping in the water. The yes, the, the fish net. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the fishnet to catch the debris that I mentioned is usually poop, but yes. it's okay. That's why we have the fishnet. So, yeah. Um, I do find as a midwife that babies do take a little longer to clear um, when they're born in the water. Yes. I would they consider that a downside, although it's not anything that is like a big clinically. deal. Yeah, it's probably not clinically significant, yeah. but I definitely think they take longer to clear. They're a little wet, a little longer, and, mm -hmm. and that's and then that's fine. And then they right, right. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that was kind of rambly. Sorry, we had a couple <laughs> couple late tangents. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, if you're our client, we have an agreement for you to sign about using the birth tubs. I'm working on a new water birth checklist but it's not excellent we do have a blog post that i'll link to here in this blog in this podcast blog post but um yeah always just ask if you have any questions um you know eight out of ten times i would say it's worth the extra effort to get one set up the extra effort and expense so all right well don't forget to follow us on social media at metro midwifery instagram facebook twitter or follow us on our website, www.metromidwifery.com or modmidwives.com. All right. Well, that's it. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Bye.